podcast is about entrepreneurs. The people who concern themselves with the very primary needs of society, really. The most important entrepreneurs among us, I believe. <laughs> but of course, I'm biased. We want to understand how they view the world, what they do, and how they go about doing it. But of course, more importantly, we want to understand how we can be of service to them. Because we back entrepreneurs. So welcome to it. Uh, my name is Flo Muswani. I'm an agri-food ecosystem developer, founder of Foodmakers Africa, and impact maker at Future Agro Challenge in South Africa. Today we speak with Kunrad Frankel of Agrimotion Consulting. They specialize in providing scientific, independent and precise advice in the field of soil science, horticulture, irrigation scheduling, nutrient application and remote sensing for perennial crops, in particular fruits and nuts. In essence, they help the farmer make the best decision to maximize output while being as efficient as possible with inputs and resources. Agrimotion is based in Cape Town and has an office in Pumalanga, but Kunrad and his team of really highly skilled soil scientists have served clients in multiple countries in Africa, South America, and Europe. It is such a pleasure to welcome you to today's episode of We Back Agripreneurs. Kunrad, how are you doing? No, thank you, Flo. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a privilege to be part of this, and hello, listeners. Um, we're doing well. Um, having uh, finished our road trip up to the north of the country, back in Somerset West with the family, and um, good rain starting in Cape Town, so everything seems very good. Thanks for asking. Awesome. I followed your LinkedIn posts during your road trip, actually. I loved the photos that you took. Thank you so much for letting me use one of them for my article, by the way. I imagine it was quite an experience. Yes, Flo, it's, a, it's, it's been a long trip, um, a tiring trip. We did 4,500 kilometers in a, in a week. Wow. Um, but, wow. but like we all say, the show must go on. And it's a, it was such a privilege to be able to, to, to be there and to be able to actually be on the farms and see what the farmers are like. We, mm-hmm. we realized a couple of, of weeks or months ago that the farmers were all asking, um, how's it going with the rest of the guys? Or how's it going with the other farmers? And, and they were all soldiering on, but they were they, there was a need for them to know that they that everybody is doing okay. Right. And we, we we had to do our visits, our orchard visits, and we combined it to do a road trip and then give that feed to, to the to the clients. And it was just a it was just a breath of fresh air for a lot of them and they really appreciate it. So so we were glad that we did it. It was extremely tiring, but um, but it was really fruitful, I must say. That's fantastic. Okay, so why don't we start right from the beginning then, Kunrad? I mean, uh, I connected with you on LinkedIn and have followed your work ever since. Um, so why don't you start with letting us know a little bit about you and how you started on this entrepreneurship journey? Yeah, Flo, it was it was a it is a industry I never. Well, I grew up in the Northern Cape, and I and all, everybody around us were always in agriculture. But although my father and my mother or my parents didn't own a farm, um, we were always on the on the farms with our friends. And I never actually studied environmental management, and uh, um, was on my way to to Europe when yeah. I when uh, um, 
this opportunity came by to be able to to work in, in agriculture and and I never thought what the impact of that could have could actually be. And the more I was working in Africa and the more I was doing soil classification on farms all over the southern southern tips of Africa, um, I started realizing what the impact could be of on, on communities. Um, mm, nice. I remember one of the first imagery images that I uh, um, well, that, that I had was when I went into a, a certain village in in the um, southern parts of Nigeria. And I was and I was moving into that village, um, having to go classify some soils for new developments. And I and I saw these two two small children, mm-hmm. only sitting in their underwear on a on a in the front of a hut. And I realized, and I asked the people there, listen, but why why would this child? Why is this children only in the under, underpants? Thinking it's just like boys. And I realized that they said to me that they were washing their clothes. And I realized immediately that this is them. They have one pair of clothes. They've got the same dreams as my children, and they've mm. got um, they've got this massive amount of resources around them beneath their feet, and nobody is actually teaching these people to help themselves. And it was it it really touched yes. me. And, and 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 I came back, and I said to my so I said to my colleagues when at that stage we were working for a big company selling fertilizers and the revenue and generation was everything. And, and I realized that there's a lot more to it than actually just selling fertilizer. And and and, and at that stage, I was reading a book from a, um, from an American guy. And he in, in that book, he stated that if you really want to know what your calling is in life, you should ask yourself what breaks your heart. Mm, and I right. realized immediately, listen, there's a lot more that we can achieve in Africa. And and we were placed in Africa mm. um, uh, with mm. with one with with one dream, and those children have a, have a we have the um, responsibility to give those children the, the, a dream w- worth actually fighting for. So and and, I, and that's when we started, and we realized that the only way that people will really trust us is if we are independent, and um, and giving independent advice without really selling selling stuff because mm. the moment you give advice but you still that you that you sell the solution then people always think really is that is that is that uh, the best solution for us or are you just actually trying to sell us something and then we said listen but let's put up something where we where we really give advice and try to help these people all over Africa that have the ability to actually become leaders in the world with, with regards to fruit actually giving them the advice to help themselves and then a bunch of us came together and we we we, we thought about a name. We thought um, we um, we started the, the company. We called it AgriMotion, right. and the whole idea was a whole new movement in agriculture to change people's lives, not just revenue generation, but really teaching people to help themselves. And as I mentioned to you in in our previous discussions, that well, it's it's such a such a magic uh, um, uh, uh, industry to have, as it it really is smaller areas that's being disturbed. It's uh, massively labor intensive but it's foreign currency because you export the fruit foreign currency coming into africa and i'm so happy our, our president really sees it uh, mr ramaphosa uh, mentioned it in the past and he really sees it as well and all of a sudden i realized this is the bigger dream mm-hmm. so if you look into agri-motions why and the vision that we have we say we want to share hope and but we do that by building trust and 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 that's the that's the a big a bigger calling is really getting people to trust what we what we're trying to achieve, and then through that giving them hope that there is a better better future for all of us. Um, there's so much going on everywhere, 
that we can really, really um, achieve a lot better. And what is such a what is so so nice to remember is that, and in English we say it so nicely. In Afrikaans we say landbouw, but in English we say agriculture. And it is so it's so so nice way to say it because it's a culture of a country. If you really want to know what the heartbeat of a country is, you can you must go see the agriculture. Mm-hmm. If I go out to Turkey and Argentina and Brazil and those areas. In the farming communities, you really learn what those countries are about, and it's such a such a nice way. If we can really change those people's mindset, I believe we can really have a country to be born again um, with a new mindset of actually achieving a lot more. So that's a, it's a privilege to be able to uh, to work in it, and that's the that's the short of how we started AgriMotion is is with that dream in mind. Mm, I had thought of agriculture as a way of viewing the culture of a place, actually. That is a really nice perspective. So you've shared with us a little bit of the why behind Agrimotion, which I find really inspirational. In fact, here at Weback Agripreneurs, a part of what drives us is the belief that agriculture is our best opportunity for people to help themselves climb out of poverty and build wealth. We know that we have the necessary natural resources, which many other continents don't have, and we seek to be part of mobilizing those resources to benefit all of us. So let's now talk about what the practicalities of what AgriMotion does look like on a day-to-day basis when you deal with your clients. So Flo, I think what is what the main thing that we are focused on is, is a risk mitigation. Right. Um, we, we've got a, um, all of us are, are, um, have a degree in soil science, and then we've got our specialities, maybe horticulture, viticulture, GIS, irrigation, and so forth. And the, the whole idea is, is, is we are focused on primary production. We, we're not in the, mm-hmm. the business of exporting fruit. There's a lot of businesses that really support that. And we felt that there's a need in the primary production. So the idea is the moment we, uh, we, can, we can manipulate soils, we can manipulate water, we can manipulate plants, but one thing that we can't manipulate is climate. Mm, so the right. main, main thing where we start is to look at the climatically what is the most suitable crop to be planted in a specific area in Africa. So we will, we join up with companies like Aware in, in, in America and, and Meteor Blue and some of these companies all over the globe that have phenomenal technology where they use satellite imagery and digital elevation models to give you um, very accurate pinpointed um, climatic data all over the globe, historical 20 years um, hourly data, and we use that data to manipulate uh, or to transform it into actually um, highlighting to us um, where is the risks that we need to mitigate with regards to um, actually plants to be established. Mm-hmm. Once we've got a list of those crops that might might actually be suitable, we then send our soil scientists in to go verify if the soils are suitable and what we need to do to, to um, sustainably use that resource um, to, when we establish those, those crops. So the next thing will be our, um, our irrigation team coming in, seeing that, um, looking at the, the water quality and the design of the orchard and how it should be designed so it actually um, is effectively managed. And then we've got our, our, our specific, um, um, specialized fruit teams that go in um, after the establishment, and we we um, we really prune and manipulate those trees to to um, really bear a good quality of fruit without um, using uh, excess amount of fertilizer and chemicals and and etc. Right. So once we've done it, uh, used the climate and the resources that we have, 
um, and we select the right crop for those resources, the trees naturally grow a lot better and, and, and they don't have all those diseases and all those uh, management that's, that's needed. And all of a sudden, you've got um, the ability to actually teach someone to really um, live with that, with that crop because it's, it doesn't need that much of management because that tree naturally mm -hmm. grows a lot better. And then we use remote sensing to remotely be able to um, um, see what's going on in that orchard with the biomass accumulations and the use of, of, of water and so forth. And we tweak the irrigation and the nutrition accordingly. And we've got visits during the season where we manipulate those trees. And I say manipulate, we, we really we prune them or we, we um, reduce the amount of fruit on them to get better size and quality or whatever. So it's all natural manipulation. It's not, yeah. not um, hormonal um, manipulations or, or those type of things. It's all, all natural um, manipulations to actually bear good fruit. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, then we then we journey with them, and we do a lot of training as well, Flo. So, so when we go get on the farm, and we see that there's a a need for um, the production managers and the irrigation teams and so forth to get good training of what the good principles and the best practices are, we will send a team in, and we will we will journey with those people to make sure that we give them good theoretical um, um, knowledge, but also in field training to give them the what they need to to know. So, mm. so that's the whole idea is to really engage with the clients and the people on ground level in the production side. That's fantastic. Um, you've preempted my next question, actually. I was going to ask what role technology has played in your operations, but you've outlined quite nicely the different innovations that you've introduced into your business that have helped you help your clients. Would you say broadly, though, that farmers are introducing technology or have adopted the different types of technologies beyond um, the normal traditional mechanization that they would have on the farm, but really looking more closely at um, fourth industrial revolution type of technology? All of the, yes, Flo, I mean, all of the, the farmers um, are excited about technology, but what we've realized in the last year or two is that um, they, there's so much technology available that the farmers get overwhelmed with it. So what we've, what I've listened to, is just to give you the indication or just to describe it better, is this: I was listening to this wonderful uh, um, podcast or webinar a couple of months ago that was um, um, presented by Wageningen University in, in the Netherlands, and they well, the the title of the of the webinar was Wizards and Profits, right. saying that wizards is absolutely just complete uh, um, ag tech and wizards being these scientists that were the old way of doing things. And there's a, a, a sense that there's a place for someone in the center between those two um, sides of really knowing what is the right thing to do and implement the right technology to, to achieve certain um, certain uh, outcomes. Mm -hmm. So what we've, what we've realized is if, if, if we say, let's take, for instance, drone technology with aerobotics, the, the, the wonderful company that we have in, in South Africa as well is doing a lot of, of good things with regards to ag tech. They've got phenomenal mm -hmm. cameras to see a lot of uh, amazing imagery and, and they've got a great analytics that, that support that. But still, on ground level, we need to be able to tell the client how to rectify the weaker areas or what needs to happen there. The first thing that you usually see when you use this technology is that it needs more fertilizer or it needs more irrigation and so forth. And sometimes it's actually just um, um, really looking into the symptoms that we're seeing and not really rectifying the, the primary issues that we see on ground level. May it be soddy conditions or over-irrigation, under-irrigation or 
um, overuse of chemicals or whatever. And that's what I, I think the farmers want to use technology, but they need a partner that can really help them to say, listen, on your, on your scale, this technology is great. Um, and this is how we're going to use it. And this is how it's going to fit into your system. And that's where we've realized that AgriMotion has a role to play because we don't develop AgTech, but we, we, we know how to interpret the data um, for the farmers and really help them to, to, to make the best use of it. Mm-hmm. And then actually tell them, listen, don't go and spend a huge amount of money on AgTech that you don't understand. These components are something that is worth it for you now. And grow into the rest of the ag tech over time, and then then it really then they re- learn to to dance with those technologies and live with it, and then it really becomes powerful. Yeah. So that's where we are at the moment. They're not they're not hesitant or fearful of using technology, but I can understand um, that it's it needs to be modular. They need to to grow into those technologies, and um, it, it makes absolute sense. I mean, if you look into uh, any place, any country in Africa. I mean, you can walk in any village in Africa and you'll see people with smartphones. Now, all of a sudden, you think mm-hmm. those people are right. They are right to use technology on the farms. But you're, you're wrong in a sense. They, they need to grow into it. So certain modules of that technology is absolutely what they need now. But selling this massive dream of the fourth industrial revolution to them, they'll totally be in the dark and don't know how to use it. Right. And you need to grow with them into it. And then, you, then we've got an extremely powerful... Uh, um, tool to use in in Africa. So I hope that answers your your question. Yes, it covers it quite nicely. Thank you. So I'm sure there'll be quite a number of agri-tech developers who listen to this podcast and who might be wondering, so where are the gaps then? Where are they missing it? Or where could they play a bigger role in assisting farmers with their operations? The, it's so good you asked this question because I've had this discussion just earlier this morning with with um, some big tech, tech development companies where I, where they I really told them listen we're beyond those point of that point where we 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 should develop cool tech okay we should really ask ourselves mm-hmm. what does the farmers need can any one of your ag tech mm-hmm. guys that's busy developing this technology have any of them been on the farm? in the last six months. Have any of them actually been there to ask the farmers what is the main struggle, the, the, the number one thing that they are struggling with and needs to be solved? Mm, right. and because what, what you'll see is of most of these ag tech the companies, they, they have this phenomenal teams of developers with some of the most bright young people in Africa I've ever seen. But they, they, mm-hmm. they, they don't know really what the what the clients need and that that is something i think is they really should be checking out don't go too fast before you engage with your clients yeah what is there something else that is that is that is very important is that that they they should realize that trying to develop the total solution okay in one platform is not the ideal Mm -hmm. working interdependently with other companies that spend their ten thousand hours on specific specific aspects is a lot. We're going to get mm-hmm. to the answer a lot quicker than trying to uh, develop um, things that other companies already do well. Like for instance, if you take uh, uh, AgriMotion for instance, we could we know what the farmers want, but we realize that we don't have the budget or the or the knowledge or the capacity to to try try and develop agricultural technology. Okay, ag tech. We would rather mm-hmm. spend our time with aerobotics, with uh, um, um, all types of companies that develop tech in the, in the ag space and rather say, listen, guys, 
if you tweak this technology in a certain way, this is what we're going to achieve so that we can actually we, we connect the dots for them rather than trying to have everything in one place. That is something that, uh, something else that we can really pick up is that the clients, they get so overwhelmed with all these kinds of apps that's, uh, that they have on their phone. They've got an app for irrigation. They've got an app for, for costing, for pruning, for fertilizer recommendations. And having one, one application that actually brings everything together, yes, it's needed. But a lot of the companies are trying to, to, to really uh, develop that to make a, um, a, a one-stop shop. And, it's, and it takes a huge amount of resources and time. Mm. Rather try and focus to work independently with the other companies and really bring that technology and create the answers in without stealing the, the IP and the algorithm. Try to get the answer from the irrigation guy, how much should be irrigated, and just get it into one platform. That's that's something mm. I think is, is, is something that, that's a lot worth it. But know, knowing what the clients want at the moment is a lot more important now than trying to say where's the gap in the markets mm-hmm. because we're running ahead of ourselves so fast that we're leaving the, the market behind. We're leaving the clients on the farm behind and they don't know what the hell we're busy with. Um, and we need to take them on this journey with us. Mm, that's nice insight. I mean, when you think about it, it makes sense. We must get close to farmers to understand what their challenges are if we're hoping any of our solutions will help them in their operations. So when you look at the farms that you visited in your road trip, what do you believe farmers need to do to be more resilient to global shocks, particularly in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic and the gaps that it's exposed? Yeah, Flo, it's, it's, it's really, I think, the, one of the biggest, I mean, all of us know that, uh, I've read in an article, they say that the pandemic, all the pandemic has done worldwide is it exposed the, the, the gap between the middle class and the and the, the extreme poor and the, the richest people in the world and and it's really put us a lot of questions of where is a lot of the money in the world going is it going to to um, super rich companies and um that, who's really helping who mm-hmm. if you look into let's take for instance the coffee industry in africa if you look into the, the primary production of coffee in, in, in Africa, it's it's something like a, a, a five hundred uh, um, billion dollar uh, um, of a five hundred million dollar industry that gets mm-hmm. that raw beans gets exported out of Africa. It gets transformed or grounded up into all kinds of things and gets imported back into Africa at five billion dollars. So. Mm-hmm. And, and and that money goes out of Africa. So we think we're exporting raw product, and we're actually getting um, we're importing that that transformed product or that value added product at a lot higher cost. So who's really helping who? We're thinking of of Africa as the as the bread basket, but we we really need to start adding value. Mm, and if right. we can think that what what I'm so excited about, we've we've exposed um, some gaps, but we've also achieved or, or exposed some amazing opportunities. I mean, having our boundaries closed for certain things have immediately given us the opportunity to be able to to introspectly see what can we actually um, start producing inside South Africa that can really be a product of of use. Mm -hmm. I mean, importing certain uh, um, um, cheap products into Africa, into into South Africa for for that matter, has has been an easy solution for for a very long time. But we really need to say, even if it's more expensive in the short term, how can we take the products that we that we are producing and really add value to those products and really actually capitalize on that? Because 
I'm, feel, I'm, I'm seeing the, 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 the farmers having, having to run all the risk um, with regards to climate and labor and um, labor relations and, and, and taxes and all those things. Yeah. Just to, 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 to produce this phenomenal product, raw product that gets exported, mm-hmm. the value added in the other countries and then imported back to South Africa. It just must make sense. So we, 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 we should really see there is gaps that's been see that our system is maybe broken in a certain sense, but there's so much opportunity that we can that we can still harvest. Mm, right. Um that, that is that in this in this phase I really I realize that is is something that's worth it. If any, let's take the nut industry something for, for as as a as other a, other example. The nut industry is is something that just can work for Africa. Yeah. If you look it's it's an alternative protein, okay, and we've got some malnutrition all over Africa. It's a protein, alternative one, that's actually easy transportable and non-perishable. And nuts in Africa, if you look at we we on the top top three macadamia producers in the world and the top three pecanet producers in the world, mm-hmm. and all of that raw product gets exported out of Africa to the Chinese or to the to the American market or whatever. That's that is a sin for me. I mean, that product should be transformed into something usable. One for Africa, which is a which is a massive export market that we haven't even started to explore, and actually exporting mm-hmm. a, a not only a raw product but a product transformed into a value added product and then exported to 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 other European or Chinese market is a lot more profitable and a lot better future for us than just mm-hmm. uh, um, using our resources to to make other countries be a lot more wealthy at the, at the, at the moment. And that's the mindset that I think they started. With that free trade agreement um, um, a while, a, month, a year ago, when they said, listen, we need to start getting that free trade in Africa going and so forth, which at that stage said, listen, this is a wonderful dream. And with the whole COVID thing, it, um, and it started slowing down. Yeah. Hopefully that, that's still going on because I believe if we can really produce the, the best coffee or the best uh, cocoa or the best nuts or fruit in Africa and, 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 and export it to the rest of Africa, and then value added and, and export it to the rest of the world. We'll see a, a change in Africa a lot quicker than we're actually seeing it at the moment. Mm. And for producers who are thinking this is a fantastic opportunity to get into the market or to expand their operations, particularly in the direction of perennial crops, what would you say to them? Where would you say is the best place for them to start? Uh, our biggest um, services that just absolutely... Um, booming at the moment is our, our climatic analysis and if clients would really if they are looking into the, uh, they have land available start with your climate send that ask us to, to check out your climate for you um, what is the five crops that will do well then plan it properly don't just look um, at the markets and decide what what you would plant there if you plant the right crop in the right area you will always make your money that i promise you because the quality will always be superior to areas that is marginal so always start with your climate, but there's massive opportunities in South Africa still to come. And for emerging farmers, I mean, we had spoken previously that a huge motivation for us is to view the agri-food ecosystem through the lens of the small-scale farmer and emerging farmer. Um, when you think about it, there are over 3 million subsistence and small-scale farmers in South Africa alone. This is a huge number, and really this is where the impact should be felt if we are going to be successful as a continent in agriculture. 
Um, what would you say farmers need at the very least, particularly in reference to land size, to access the perennial crop opportunity? I mean, we know that there is poor access to land among these farmers with patches as little as less than a hectare in some instances to large community farms in former homelands, plus, of course, farms under the land redistribution framework. What would you say is an ideal farm size when an agripreneur wants to thrive in the subsector? Um, Flo, I think I'm going to answer you in a, in a different way. I think what is important is okay. that, um, is that um, obviously there's different sizes of farms, but um, there's, there's, if you go into berries and so forth, they, it becomes extremely technical and a huge amount of infrastructure that's needed. That will be my second or third crop that I would look into as a community. What I would do as a community is to really look into, into nuts because for the one reason, it is, is something that, that can be planted anywhere in, in the communities and something that's easily harvested and you don't need a lot of infrastructure to actually put that nuts in a bag and actually transport it over to a cooperative or whatever. There's phenomenal um, platforms or websites, trade pl uh, platforms that's actually emerging in South Africa at the moment where they would say, listen, this is the price of nuts. This is where you need to, where the distribution channel would be, and this is where you need to take your, your nuts. We as AgriMotion and some of the other consulting firms are actually going into that and saying, listen, if we can on those platforms give advice for farmers with regards to their pests and diseases and fertilizer recommendations, that will also work. So to answer you, I would suggest that there's, not, there's no real um, um, minimum size, but there's actually selecting the right crop for the climate and for the, for the conditions there. So putting down a massive tunnel to produce berries is a great idea. But mm -hmm. once again, it's just like we spoke about when we adopt adopting technology, is adopting new uh, um, farming practices. I can mm -hmm. see that the, the nut industry is, is, the, is, the, is the next step for our emerging farmers because it's, it's learning them what, is, what tree production is about. And, it, it, and for instance, if you, if you fertilize a berry, berries, you can really lose your crop, uh, your crop within one hour right. because it's it's really it's it's under fertigation, it's it's uh, computer um, monitors and so forth. And if you make a mistake, you can lose the whole crop. And you need to harvest it if it's if it's ripe. You need to harvest it, and within forty eight hours, that that crop is on the shelves in Marks and Spencers in Europe. With mm -hmm. nuts, it's different. You've got two or three weeks to harvest, but sometimes even more to harvest those nuts. You don't need a cold storage. You can put it in bags in your shed. And you can keep it actually when, until you until it's um, it's right to take for you to take to the to the the, um, the export companies. Mm, so right. in a certain sense, I believe that's the next step. Getting that in place, and if they start learning how we really how we produce nuts and how we manipulate tree crops, then we go over saying, listen, there's a there's a, a, a bunch of them that want to um, take a next step and actually produce, let's say, berries or cherries or whatever the case may be. But nuts is a lot more forgiving. Um, um, for for the emerging farmer, and, and because I'm always scared that we we we, we take a, a a big chunk or a big bite out of this of the, out of this opportunity, but they will be discouraged if they if if the if the um, if they make a mistake and lose the whole crop. Right. With nuts, if you make a mistake, it's so forgiving that you'll still have a good crop that year. And I think that is something that we need to keep in mind. Mm, that is incredible insight and a really novel way of viewing agri-development, especially but when you think... Well, if you look into... Let's, sorry, I'm interrupting. If you look into how many projects have failed in the past 
um, because there wasn't um, good knowledge transfer or the right crops for the right infrastructure opportunities. A lot of people got discouraged and thought, but community projects will never work. Mm -hmm. That's absolute rubbish. It's not true. Um, community projects will work if we've got great planning with great crops for that area. Right. We've got a great distribution line of where that nuts needs to go. And there's a massive independent um, knowledge transfer of how to manage those crops. Then I believe we can do this. Um, I don't think it's 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 something that's undoable. Mm. So what could we do then, Kunrad, as agripreneurs, as ecosystem developers, or funders and development organizations, and of course governments, to get this ball rolling in a more sustainable fashion? Because let's face it, as you say, community agri-development projects have a notorious reputation for not being sustainable. So, Flo, I, I'm going to use this example. I was, and we can learn this from our neighbors in Namibia. I was, I was, um, we were involved with, with some new developments in that area, and there was massive opportunities for for berries and nuts and avocados and so forth in different regions in Namibia. Mm -hmm. and, and what was so astonishing to me is that the government played; they were so transparent. They played the cards of saying, "Listen, we don't really have a lot of capital that we can bring." for a lot of these projects. But what we will do is we will put in certain regulations in place for you to, to ease up the tension of actually starting these new developments. Right. So they said, listen, let's for instance say, when you start all the capital that you're gonna need, um, all the investment that you're gonna need for the first five years to 10 years of the development, we will give you a reduction on, on taxes of those, of those inputs. And for the first 10 years of the exports, we will give you a reduction on taxes of the, of the export that, and, and the foreign currency coming in. Mm -hmm. So that type of thing. And they, and they, 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 rather than having huge amounts of capital that they just splashed because they didn't have it, they were transparent enough and honest enough to say, listen, guys, we don't have a huge amount of money in our country, but we will come to the table and really help with regulations um, to see it that there's a lot of that, that let's not, we, we will get rid of the red tape in a certain sense and that was that was phenomenal saying listen all of a sudden you feel yes but these this this guys are, or the, the government is really looking after us and all of a sudden there's a lot of lot of new opportunities because there's a lot of private equity in South Africa mm -hmm. there's a lot of private equity coming in from from foreign countries as well but if the government really wants to make an impact they should not try and support financially, everything rather work with those private equity funds uh, um, or whatever funding you've got available but try and get rid of the red tape help the people with regards to taxes and inputs and tractors and so forth that they need reduce those taxes um, to get those those stimulation rather get those taxes in the long run rather than than really stopping the people to go forward in the in the beginning stages because that I can see is hampering the the, the problem at the moment so from that side, I believe the government can be can really be effective in, in, in solving a lot of these problems and, and helping to get this thing going. Mm, that's interesting. Um, I'm just thinking right now, in fact, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with that whole Section 12J tax dispensation that seeks to do exactly what you're suggesting, actually. That's the last time I checked. It had a lock-in period of minimum five years, which really would be in line with the necessary timelines for projects to become sustainable and profitable well that'd be wonderful i mean uh, i don't know all the regulations as such but if if there's some, if there's some fine tweaks that we can do especially i mean let's let's be honest 
after the pandemic, everybody is going to try new things and get, get to, to stimulate the economy. And the fruit industry is booming at the moment because of the currency, the foreign currency and the, and the rand dollars that, that is, is in the lowest point that we've seen in a, in, a, in a couple of years. So they know that if the export, that foreign currency coming to South Africa is going to be a massive opportunity. So everybody's going to try and get on the bandwagon. Right. If, you, if the government, after this pandemic, we're going to be in, in, probably going to be in massive debt um, because of this uh, um, pandemic, yeah. but if we can then get into into a, a mode of thinking of of let's what how can we how can we ease up this 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 regulations to get the thing going? I believe we we will be amazed of what people can do. Um, there's there's massive opportunity. So yeah, Flo, I think if we can um, if you know of more of, um, regulations and maybe there's some someone we can get onto onto your podcast series that can speak a little bit about that. Um, I think that'll be that'll be phenomenal, useful for people that actually, is actually in that sector, actually trying to make plans to to stimulate the economy with regards to that that type of projects. Yes, I know quite a number of entrepreneurs and professionals in this area. Actually, it would definitely be worthwhile to get one of them to come and speak with agripreneurs about the opportunities that are available. So just to close off then, actually, before we close off, um, Kunrad, I was looking at your website and at your list of clients. They really are among the best that we have in the area of food production. And I mean, when you look at your team as well, really knowledgeable, really well qualified. Would you count yourself among the best in your game? <laughs> Flo, that's a, that's a question that should never be answered by by someone that's still still learning the ropes but it's a we feel privileged to be able to to be to serve a lot of the clients um and um it's 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 something that we've always always feel humble for um and we've always been privileged to 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 have some of the the, the uh, really a, a bunch of whiz kids in the in the in our company and that is that is something that doesn't come come easy We've been privileged. We didn't. We, we didn't uh, deserve a lot of it that came our way. So we've always been humble enough to say, "Listen, well, I don't know how we got into this position, but we we are. We want to we want to always stay humble. We always want to to be serving." And and, and I'm glad that it came to this stage where we can actually serve a lot of these big industry big industry leaders. And you'll be amazed how, how humble they are. Um, and, um, yeah. and that that is we can learn a lot from them. So. So if we really feel privileged, and there's still a lot to learn, and we are really a bunch of young people. Um, we, we, our hearts belong to, to, to Africa. Our souls belong to God. But um, it's something that we, um, we feel privileged, and there's a lot of still a lot of work to be done. But so far, so good. Huh? That's awesome. Thank you, Conrad. So, how can um, uh, a group of nurse get a hold of you then, especially when they want to make decisions around? what to plant, where they are, and how to best use the resources that they have in the most efficient manner to achieve the best results. So, uh, Flo, we, 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 we're constantly updating our website and, and, and we, uh, we try to be as active on social media as, as we can. Um, I think the, the central point will be our contact at info at agrimotion.net, where from there it will then be distributed to the, the right um, um, thought leader that will actually help each person in the, in the discipline that they are specializing in. And, um, yeah, we've got – I think that will be the easiest way. And then follow us on, on – uh, 
on LinkedIn and um, and and Twitter at AgriMotion. Um, yeah, I think it's at AgriMotion 2013 at AgriMotion Consulting. And then you will also see um, mm -hmm. a lot of our. our um, we will also be in some of the radio radio um, broadcast where we sometimes also specific specific um, share specific information um, on that on that on the radio or specifically on on social media. But I think the number one place to to look into getting in contact with us is at info at agrimotion.net. Yes, as I said, I follow Kunrad on LinkedIn. You can. Go ahead and search for him. You can search for Kunrad Frankel. Um, I am saying your name correct. Hey, Kunrad. 100%. You are one of the, the, the amount of people that actually um, can pronounce it right. It's, it's, I've got a very <laughs> weird name and surname, which is, which is not easy to pronounce. So good job, Flo. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Thank you so much, Kunrad. We really appreciate your time and your insights. Of course, if there's anything that we can do as we back agripreneurs and food makers Africa to support you in your business, we would love to do that. Plus, if any of our listeners reach out, we would love to connect them with you. I know that yours is a service that is absolutely crucial when producers want to do things right the first time. I mean, we all know that farming is not light on capital. <laughs> so it's really important to be able to make fact-based decisions before setting out on a project and on an ongoing basis. Yeah, no, okay. no, I think it's it's really great to, to keep in touch. I think this when we when we move around in the in the country or in, in southern Africa and we see um, opportunities and good good stories that needs to be that needs to be spread, then I will keep you in mind and I will send that that and we can have a discussion again. And I think it's it's important. I think we we're in for a, a weird but exciting ride with the next the next two three years. And there's a lot of lot of um, um, ups and downs that we're going to see, and I think it's, it's to get the right stories out and the right the right um, information and knowledge to the to the, to the listeners or the uh, people on ground level is going to be more and more important. So keep up the good work. Okay. So once again, um, if you'd like to get in touch with Agrimotion Consulting, you can look for them on Twitter. They are at Agrimotion. You can visit their website. It's agrimotion.net where you'll find their um, their rather landline number and email address which is info at agrimotion.net you can also find agrimotion consulting and Kunrad Frankel on LinkedIn where he shares really fantastic content that we can all learn from thank you so much for joining us for today's episode Please don't forget to hit the follow button wherever you're listening to this podcast. And join us every week on Tuesdays when we release a new episode. You can also find us on our website, which is foodmakers.africa. All of our contacts are on there. I'd love to hear from you if you are an entrepreneur or if you would just like to suggest one to host on the show. Thanks again and cheers for now.